Belief in the virgin birth of Jesus is absolutely essential to the Christian faith. To deny the virgin birth is to deny the deity of Jesus. And if Jesus was not God in the flesh, then you and I have no hope whatsoever. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope. I'm Dave Reagan, Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, and this is my colleague, Dennis Pollack. We want to share some thoughts with you about an essential belief of the Christian faith that relates to the Christmas season. Specifically, the fact that Jesus of Nazareth was born of a virgin. The Bible tells us about many remarkable births, but none as remarkable as that of Jesus. For example, there's the birth of Isaac to parents nearly 100 years old. And then there are the births of Samson, Samuel, and John the Baptist, all of whom were born to women with barren wombs. Yes, Dennis, and there have been some really remarkable births since Bible times. Like, for example, the Dion Quintuplets in Canada in the 1930s, the Stanick Sextuplets in 1973 in Texas, and the McCoy Septuplets in 1997 in Iowa. That's easy for you to say, well, brother. Uh, no, Dennis, it, it really isn't. I had to practice that for a long I'm time. I'm sure. But none of those, as difficult as they are to say, is the most spectacular birth of modern times. The most amazing birth since biblical times would have to be that of little Louise Brown in Lancashire, England, on July the 25th, 1978. She was the first baby conceived outside the human body, the first test tube baby. Yes, Dave, history attests to barren wombs made fertile, history attests to amazing multiple births, and history attests to conception outside the womb. But none of these births is as amazing, as miraculous, as stupendous as the birth of Jesus of Nazareth, the birth proclaimed to the shepherds of Bethlehem by the angels of God. The birth of Jesus of Nazareth is the most unique birth in all recorded history, for the Bible tells us that he was born of a virgin. But before we go to the Word of God for evidence of the virgin birth, let's pause for a song by Jack Hollingsworth. The stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder grace, a new and glorious morn. Oh, my 
Jesus was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, desired to put her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For it is he who will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place, that what was spoken by the Lord to the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Well, folks, as you can see, the Bible clearly states that Jesus was born of a virgin. And I tell you, folks, I don't think it would be an overstatement to say that Satan hates the fact of the virgin birth. He hates it because it attests to the divinity of Jesus. And Satan is determined to do everything possible to convince the world that Jesus was just a man. Listen carefully to the words of this very popular song from the Broadway musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Did you notice those words? He's a man. He's just a man. Satan has orchestrated attacks like this on the facts of the virgin birth ever since it was proclaimed to the shepherds in Bethlehem. Philosophers and scientists scoff at it as nothing but a childish myth. Jewish leaders from the earliest of times have written it off as a cruel hoax. But saddest of all, many modern-day Christian theologians contend that it's a non-essential legend. Yes, Dennis, and Satan's attacks have been very successful. Today, the virgin birth is flagrantly denied by professors at many Christian seminaries. In fact, I would venture to say that it is the most ridiculed doctrine in the Christian faith. It is usually dismissed as nothing but a sort of Johnny-come-lately myth conjured up by a bunch of ignorant shepherds in the first century. Well, Dave, your observations are supported by a recent survey of Protestant seminaries. The survey showed that only 56% of students polled believe in the virgin birth. And many of those will cease believing before they graduate. The 44% who denied the virgin birth stated that Jesus was born of Mary and Joseph, or of an illicit love affair between Mary and a Roman soldier, or a Greek merchant. Or they just said they didn't know where Jesus came from. And the interesting thing, Dennis, is that this ambivalence about the origin of Jesus is nothing new. In the time of Jesus, His origin was a matter of ambivalence and constant speculation. In John 6, 
We are told that the Jewish leaders scoffed at his claim that he had come from heaven. They said, how can you claim that you came from heaven when you know, we know your mother and your father? In John 7, we are told that some of the residents of Jerusalem rejected Jesus' claim to be the Messiah because they said, we know where you came from, but whenever the Messiah comes, no one will know where he came from. And in John 8, we are told that some of the people accused Jesus of being born of fornication, while others claimed he was a half-breed Samaritan. And you know, Dave, another interesting thing is that Jesus himself revealed the reason for all this ambivalence about his origin. Listen to this passage in Matthew 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Note carefully that last verse. Jesus said his divinity had been revealed to Peter by God the Father. The point is that the only way that anyone will ever know the deity of Jesus is by a divine revelation from God. Man will never come to this knowledge through philosophy, theology, or science. It must be revealed. Boy, that's right, Dennis. And man, through his own knowledge, will conclude that Jesus was a great scholar, great teacher, prophet, leader, or whatever. But man reasoning on his own will always miss the central fact that Jesus is the Son of the living God. And therefore, man operating the flesh will always deny the virgin birth because the virgin birth and the deity of Jesus are absolutely inseparable. If Jesus is God, then He must be born of God. He cannot be born of human parents. It is therefore my position that to deny the virgin birth is to deny the deity of Jesus. Well, I would agree with that, Dave, for you see, without the virgin birth, Jesus is, in the words of the Broadway musical, just another man, born with the flawed sin nature inherited by all of us from Adam. And if Jesus is just another man, then you and I have no hope whatsoever. That's why the virgin birth is not a peripheral issue. It's central to the Christian faith. Well, it certainly is, Dennis. And now, folks, in just a moment, we're going to shift our attention from the essentiality of the virgin birth to the validity of it. In the process, we'll take a look at the evidence that the virgin birth of Jesus really did occur. But before we do that, we're going to pause for a message from our media director, Don Gordoni, concerning a very special publication of this ministry. Think of it. We'll live in the presence of God forever in new bodies, in a new Jerusalem, on a new earth. All things will be made new. I'd like to wish you a very blessed Christmas. And I'd like to tell you about a very special Christmas present that you can get for your preschool or elementary school children or grandchildren. It's this book by Dr. Reagan entitled, Jesus is Coming Soon. This is the only book about end time prophecy that has ever been published for children. It starts with the rapture of the church and continues through the end of the millennium to the beginning of the eternal state in the new Jerusalem on a new earth. As it tells the story of end time events, it focuses on the positive promises of God, like the promise that we'll receive new immortal and perfected bodies, that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will walk. The book is printed in full color and contains dozens of beautiful illustrations like this one showing the marriage feast of the Lamb, and this one showing the second coming of Jesus. It even has a coloring page at the end. 
The book is printed in a large size with a very durable cover. It runs 28 pages in length, and in the back it has two special pages for parents, one with scripture notes and the other with teaching tips, including suggestions about how to use the book to evangelize your child. You can get a copy of this book for a gift of $10 or more by calling the number on the screen and asking for the children's book. This book would make a wonderful Christmas present for your children or grandchildren. Again, just call the number on the screen and ask for the children's book. It can be yours for a gift of $10 or more, and that includes the cost of mailing. And now, let's return to our study of the essentiality and validity of the virgin birth. Now the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Now before we consider the evidence of the virgin birth that is presented in these verses, I want to remind all of us of a very important fact. The person who wrote these verses was a man named Luke, who happened to be a medical doctor. This is important because he gives us more information about the virgin birth than all the rest of the gospel writers combined. Now, Dave, I don't think it's any accident. Think of it. God used a medical doctor, a man of science, to give us the detailed facts about the virgin birth. And I believe he did this on purpose so that no one could rightfully dismiss the story as the mythological imaginings of an ignorant and superstitious person. The witness here is a medical doctor. And another thing we need to keep in mind as we consider these verses from Luke is that in that day and time, there was no such thing as shotgun weddings. A formal marriage contract was negotiated and signed at which point the couple was considered to be married. But the marriage was not consummated until after a waiting period of nine months to a year. During that time, the husband prepared a house for them to live in and the wife proved her faithfulness. That's right. And if the woman became pregnant during that time, it was a very serious matter. It meant she'd either be stoned to death for infidelity or else humiliated by a divorce decree. So Gabriel's announcement that Mary was to become pregnant during that waiting period carried grave consequences, to say the least. Let's consider Mary's response. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, let it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, the first thing we need to note about Mary's response is that she was no naive child. She knew what it took to have a baby, and so she immediately proclaimed, How can this be, since I am a virgin? Gabriel responds by telling her that the conception will be miraculous, 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Dave, I think it's important to note in passing that this miraculous conception was a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. At the dawn of history in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, God promised them that one day they would be reconciled to him through the seed of a woman. That statement clearly implies a Messiah who would be virgin born. Thousands of years later, the prophet Isaiah specifically stated that Messiah would be born of a virgin. We know from the Talmud that even the Jewish rabbis interpreted these verses to mean that the Messiah would be born of, quote, no earthly father, and that his conception would be like the dew of the Lord upon a woman. And Dennis, the Gospel of Luke not only records the fulfillment of these prophecies, it also provides confirmation after confirmation that the conception was truly miraculous in nature. Listen carefully to the next few verses. Now at this time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. Now, as I said before, the innocence of Mary is attested to over and over again in these particular verses. For example, the first thing they tell us is that Mary ran to her relative, Elizabeth, to share with her the good news of her pregnancy. So let me ask you, how many pregnant unwed girls have you ever seen behave in that manner? They are normally overwhelmed with shame and the last people they want to know about their situation are their relatives. Well, you can say that again. And Mary's innocence is further confirmed by the fact that she chose a priestly family to share the news with. You see, Elizabeth's husband, Zacharias, was a priest. If Mary were pregnant by fornication, it would have been the responsibility of Zacharias to report her and have her tried and stoned to death. I think Mary's innocence is also confirmed by the reaction of Elizabeth when she cried out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. She did that before Mary could even tell her the purpose of her visit. The passage says she did it under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Elizabeth was given a supernatural word of knowledge. And this must have served as a confirmation to Mary of the message that Gabriel had given her. And further confirmation is supplied by John the Baptist, who at that time was still in the womb of his mother Elizabeth. He began to leap for joy in his mother's womb when Mary arrived because he sensed the presence of the Messiah. Yes, and then people, Dennis, have the audacity to say that a child in the womb is not a human being. Mm. Uh, well, I, I, I better not get going <laughs> on that. Uh, let's continue with our search for evidence of the innocence of Mary. The next piece of evidence is to be found in a beautiful song that Mary sings to Elizabeth. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. Well, folks, I ask you, what unwed pregnant girl has ever behaved in this manner? The behavior of Mary is the behavior 
of innocence. That's right, Dave. And, and her innocence is also confirmed by what Matthew tells us about the behavior of her husband, Joseph. Matthew says that because Joseph was a righteous man, he at first wanted to divorce her quietly. But then he changed his mind and decided to go ahead with the marriage because an angel appeared to him and assured him of Mary's innocence. Well, I think we are ready to present some concluding observations about the virgin birth. But before we do so, let's pause for another great song by Jack Hollinsworth of Acts 29 Ministries. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon for that beautiful song. Well, folks, as we have seen, the scriptures are filled with solid evidence of the virgin birth. And yet, they do not prove the virgin birth because the virgin birth, like the deity of Jesus and His resurrection, must ultimately be accepted by faith. But 
We are not called to exercise a blind faith. We are given substantial evidence upon which to base our faith. You know, Dave, we are presented with substantial evidence, but the world still screams, it is impossible. In response, we need to keep in mind the words that the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary. He told her, with God, nothing is impossible. Amen, Dennis. Amen. What the world so desperately needs today is the simple childlike faith of Mary when she said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to the Lord's word. In that regard, Dave, I'd like to add a word about Mary. In the Protestant tradition, she's almost been completely ignored, probably due to the fact that the Catholics have given her so much attention. Now, she certainly is not to be elevated to the status of a god, as some have done, but she does deserve our attention. You're absolutely right, Dennis. For one thing, most people don't seem to be aware of the fact that she was probably only about 14 years old at most when she was visited by the angel Gabriel. That was the age of marriage in Israel at that time, as it still is in much of that part of the world. So we are talking here about a teenage girl who is a model of faith and purity and devotion to God. And one of the keys to her character is revealed in the song of rejoicing that she sang when she became pregnant with the Christ child. That song, recorded in Luke 1, reveals that she was steeped in the Scriptures. She obviously had been born into a righteous family where she had been taught God's Word from childhood. Well, how about you? Do you need to reach out to God in childlike faith like Mary, asking Him to save your soul? If so, I urge you to cry out to God today. Confess that you're a sinner and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then find a church where you can publicly confess your new faith and witness it in Christian baptism. You'll need to get involved in a community of believers where you can be nurtured in your faith in prayer and the study of God's Word. Well, that's it for this week. Until we meet again, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. Today's program is included in Christmas and Bible Prophecy and is available for a gift of $15 or more. Christmas and Bible Prophecy contains three powerful discussions that will help you recapture the wonder of Christmas. In Christmas and Bible Prophecy, Dr. Reagan explores the importance of the virgin birth, prophecies fulfilled at Jesus' birth, and examines a list of what we call forgotten promises of Christmas. This thoughtful DVD would make a wonderful Christmas gift and works especially well as a guide for individual or group Bible study this time of year. To order Christmas in Bible Prophecy for a gift of $15 or more, call 1-800-225-7977 or visit lamblion.com. And don't forget that you can order a copy of Dr. Reagan's children's book for a gift of $10 or more. We want you to become more familiar with us, so we've prepared an introductory packet for anyone who requests it. This packet is free, and you can receive one of your own by calling the number on your screen or writing to us at lamblion at lamblion.com. Your packet will contain the latest issue of our bi-monthly magazine, The Lamplighter, a catalog listing all of our resources, our most popular publication entitled, What Happens When You Die?, and an audio message entitled, Jesus is Coming Soon. Just give us a call at 1-800-705-8316 during regular business hours Central Time, and ask for the Lamb and Lion introductory packet. Or you can email us at lamblion at lamblion.com. Please remember to provide us your name and address when you write. Have you ever felt overwhelmed with trying to get a grip on Bible prophecy? Do you have the time, the space, the money for all the books? Well, there's hope for you. After spending just a few minutes at lamblion.com, 
you'll discover that Dr. David Reagan's devotion to sound Bible study and his excellent skills as a teacher and communicator for over 25 years have led to the development of one of the best organized and most extensive Bible study websites in the world. Every day we receive feedback from people all over the globe who are blessed by the articles that can be found at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 